Good afternoon. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County, welcoming you to the February 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly live interview show the second Monday of each month on WPKN 89.5 FM, bringing you news and information about the arts and culture across coastal Fairfield County. In today's program, we will be exploring Fairfield County's traditional arts. Part of the new push of the Cultural Alliance is exploring and giving voice to the cultures among us that we know less or sometimes nothing about. While the symphonies, museums and theatres are known to many, we're beginning to look deeper into the wider diversity of cultures at work here. This year, the Connecticut Office of the Arts, the source for most arts funding in the state, offered us at the Cultural Alliance help in one part of this, that is, exploring and uncovering folk and traditional arts in our region. The Office of the Arts partnered with the Connecticut Cultural Heritage Arts Program, or CCHAP, part of the Connecticut Historical Society, to pay for a short-term, part-time impact coordinator, someone who would find and interview traditional or folk artists in our region. After interviewing many candidates, our three organizations together selected Janet Evelyn to be our Folk and Traditional Arts Community Impact Coordinator. Janet is pretty well known to many of us, not only as a former media and marketing consultant here at WPKN for many years, but mostly as founder of the Norwalk International Cultural Exchange that produces the annual NICE Festival in Norwalk's Oyster Shell Park. Janet is here with us in the studio today. Welcome, Janet. Thank you, David. It's wonderful to be here. I feel like I'm at, at home. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you. Yeah. Alongside Kate Schram, who is the director of the Connecticut Cultural Heritage Arts Program based in Hartford. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, thanks for coming down from Hartford today. And on the phone with us from the Connecticut Office of the Arts in Hartford is Program Specialist Tamara Dimitri. Welcome, Tamara. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, great that you could join us. So, Tamara, actually, I want to start with you. Uh, maybe for folks who are listening who don't know, can you tell us a little about the Office of the Arts, what it is, broadly what you do up there in Hartford? Sure, absolutely. So the Connecticut Office of the Arts is a state agency and we're charged with supporting the arts sector across Connecticut. We're actually a small office embedded in a larger agency, the Department of Economic and Community Development. Oh, yes, that's right. DECD as we know it. Right. That's correct. And the Office of the Arts serves uh, um, as an agency that provides professional development as well as grant funding for the arts sector, which includes artists and nonprofit arts organizations. We receive the bulk of our funding um, from the state as well as the federal government, the National Endowment for the Arts. 
Well, that's great. And um, tell us how in the past you've been involved in this area of folk and traditional arts. Oh, I think the program's been around for more than 30 years. Oh, my. Yeah. Okay. And it's been carried out through a longstanding partnership. Mm-hmm. And um, the partnership is truly driven because of the National Endowment Endowment for the Arts. Because they have a funding, they have a whole funding sector for this area, is Absolutely. that right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They, they really look to the states to identify what is necessary for ensuring that folk and traditional arts programming is supported and preserved across the state. Hmm. So how, at the Office of the Arts, does this fit in with everything else that you do in terms of supporting artists and uh, arts organizations? This work is folded into everything. Mm -hmm. The challenge is ensuring that the work we're doing is accessible to all. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things that we're continually working to strengthen our programs to ensure that folk and traditional artists feel welcome into our program. Mm. And that is actually even a significant aspect of this project because by deepening the relationships we have with folk and traditional artists, we are then able to better understand the needs and redesign our programs to make them more accessible. That's great. So just getting the word out to regular folks um, is part of that. Um, Correct. Yeah, that's great. Well, let me turn now to Kate. Um, Kate, tell us about CCHAP, um, what it does, what its goals are, um, maybe how it got started. Sure, thank you. <laughs> so the Connecticut Cultural Heritage Arts Program, CCHAP or CHAP for short, ah, okay. is, um, or CATCHUP, I suppose. Oh my goodness. The, <laughs> we haven't tried that one yet. Right. Uh, is the state's designated folk and traditional arts initiative. Um, and it's part of a nationwide network of designated programs working together with state office of the offices of the arts, sometimes offices of the humanities. And, and as Tamara mentioned, a lot of the funding does come from the National Endowment for the Arts. Um, mm. And CHAP has been around since 1991, um, where it was started in Hartford at the Institute um, for Community Research. And in 2015, it became part of the Connecticut Historical Society. Huh. And really, the Connecticut Historical Society has done so much to build up this program. Um, the CHS, uh, Connecticut Historical Society, is the state's official historical society, um, and we have this really deep commitment to understanding the history and cultures of Connecticut, and not just by reflecting on the past, but really engaging with the present in order to look forward to the future. Mm-hmm. So and, it's really, so CCHAP is really an integral part of, mm-hmm. of the historical society. Yes. Yeah, yeah we've, uh, CHAP joined the CHS and, and ever since that point has just been continually interweaving Uh itself into the, into the organization. It's wonderful. Hmm. Um, And so the Connecticut Historical Society um, does all of these things through uh, collections, through research, educational programs, museum exhibitions, and partnerships with cultural communities. And CHAP gets to be part of all of those different activities with this special focus on documenting, presenting, and helping to sustain living cultural heritage arts. Mm -hmm. 
So um, this will get into this particular program later, but um, before this experimental program started, how what was your outreach into the different regions of uh, the state? Well, for 30 years, CHAP has been a department of one, ah. um, one-person <laughs> okay. program. Right. And so, um, and fieldwork really is at the center of that program. And when I say fieldwork, I mean getting out of the office, going to events, meeting people in person, and just developing relationships with people mm-hmm. and the communities that they're part of. And my predecessor, Lynn Williamson, did this for 30 years and was able to do some incredible projects together with people across the state. Um, but the program is always challenged a little bit because yes. it's, you don't have a fleet of ambassadors. To I would like a fleet out. of ambassadors. Can I get that, please? <laughs> so um, you've come it. pretty recently to uh, CHAP. Yes. Then. Yes. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your own history? Well, um, I am from the Midwest originally. I'm Mm -hmm. from Indiana. Um, was born in Chicago, raised in a small uh, community in northern Indiana. And so naturally the first thing I did um, after high school was I fled Indiana and went all (laughs) the way to Michigan, which was Uh so far if anybody is familiar with the Midwest. Um, But then after undergrad, I spent four years uh, in Japan teaching English um, and that was wow. very yeah. inspirational to me yeah. and um, really got me interested in Japanese folklore, especially. So I decided to come back to um, Indiana. It turned out had one of the best programs to study folklore in the United hmm. States, which shocked me to yeah. my to my Midwestern. <laughs> it's strange core. how these things often work. I right? know <laughs> we have always have a complicated relationship with where we come from, um, and so and really. Studying folk and traditional arts folklore um, really broadened my understanding of what folk and traditional arts is all about. Um, I learned that it's really, it includes not just narrative folklore like fairy tales and and folk music and folk Mm -hmm. dance, but it can include traditional forms of knowledge, endangered languages, food, Mm. ritual, all kinds of Mm. things. And and when I say traditional, I mean... We really have to keep in mind that cultural heritage isn't just antiquated, rural, or ethnic, but that new artistic traditions uh, come out of community cultural contexts all the time. Think of things like custom car decoration or hip-hop emceeing or even drag. Yeah. Um, so you have to keep a very open mind. Yes, yeah. no, absolutely. <laughs> and so, um, and, and, the other, and the other part of that, which I didn't need to have a degree in Uh, folklore to learn, but it helped me get there a little Mm -hmm. faster, maybe, um, is that part of the process of of doing public folklore work with communities is that that deep core of that is all about respect. Mm. The activities we do are collaborative and they're done together with cultural communities as equals with their consent Uh and feedback. So it's not that you're um, like an academic going in to look at a culture through the microscope, but you're more of a partner mm-hmm. act, actually seeing how you can work together. Right, mm. right. Um, and that doing things with communities that benefit communities, mm. that's yeah. that's really <laughs> essential to this work. Um, this isn't a, a go in, scoop up as much documentation as we can and run away to the archive with it. Right. This is about an ongoing relationship. So... Um, Tamara and Kate, um, have you worked together before um, 
I guess actually, Kate, you've how long did you say you've been here? I came to Connecticut in 2018. 2018. Uh-huh. So, Tamara, have you worked t- together with Kate for a while? Well, since, I guess, 2018. Um, <laughs> okay. Much of that time, it's been during a pandemic. So right. we certainly haven't had the field um, experience that we were looking forward to. Mm-hmm. So how did this, how did the idea for this um, program, this experimental program uh, to employ an impact coordinator come, come about? The idea was really spurred because of some additional work that we were doing at the Connecticut of the Office of the Arts. Uh, sorry, Connecticut Office of the Arts, uh-huh. where we wanted to reach new voices that have been missing from many of our applicants uh, and the various programs. I, I apologize. There's a significant echo on my line. Um, so... When we saw the success of this other work, we wanted to ensure that we were pursuing that for this work. I see. Uh-huh. And uh, Kate, from your point of view? From does- my point of view, it's um, it's a bit of a car ride to make it down to this area <laughs> of the state and points uh, further west as well. Right, right. And so any opportunity to partner with local organizations mm-hmm. that are familiar with the local communities out right. here that um, only have to walk down the street to encounter people as <laughs> right. opposed to hopping in the car. Um, that is just, that is amazing. Um, and, and Janet has, has been amazing. It's been so wonderful to work with her. That's great. So can you say what together, uh, what your, the goals of this program are, what you're, what you're uh, working towards, what you're maybe hoping for eventually? Sure. Um, we're. I think I speak for both Tamara and myself when I say mm-hmm. that we're really hoping to reach people who we didn't know before, but who also don't know about us, who don't know the resources that the Office of the Arts mm-hmm. um, has available or the resources that CHAP has available. Um, and we're really trying to spread the word that the Office of the Arts and the Connecticut Cultural Heritage Arts Program at the Connecticut Historical Society are here to do what we can to uplift and um, support artists and their communities. Mm. Um, and, you know, and we're hoping to um, make this this project sort of the, the first step in building relationships with people um, across the state. Right. How would you and describe... We, and we also see it as a great resource for you, David. Indeed, it has and proved one to of be our so. Yes. Partners, right. And we really do hope to see this grow with our other regional partners mm. across the state. So, um, talk a little bit about um, your different roles in, in the partnership. What does the Office of the Arts contribute? What does CHAP contribute? And maybe I'll say about a little bit about what we contribute. <laughs> For the Office of the Arts, we contribute the funding. Mm-hmm. and sort of the inspiration and the ideas and otherwise to really step away and allow you guys to run. Mm-hmm. And of course you have quite a, quite a, a, a broad network. So I guess your network complements what CHAP's network is. And Kate, for you? Well, what CHAP brings is sort of a, this theoretical and uh, methodological framework um, Mm -hmm. to apply into fieldwork situations. Um, We know the demographics that we're trying to serve, which is um, these 
local cultural um, and um, community traditions that are often they often really um, fly under the radar of right. of right. typical yeah. um, fine arts funding and also typical humanities funding. Um, a lot of folk and traditional arts, and again, arts here is just this enormous umbrella. Um, they don't they don't fit neatly into either category. They're mm-hmm. really a hybrid of both. Um, and a lot of times they're only really recognized in the communities that they're practiced in, um, which is why that fieldwork component is so important. And so, I mean, really what CHAP is bringing to the table is just that sort of background knowledge and some of the tools, the tools of the trade to go mm-hmm. out and, um, right. and meet people. And I guess our contribution is basically our network. I mean, we have uh, 550 members over 15 towns and it's... You know, we we have a pretty good knowledge of what's out there in terms of not where the traditional and folk artists are, but who might know about them, Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. whether they're the local arts agencies or um, arts organizations or presenters. So I guess that's our role in in bringing the coordinator into into the community and then bringing to us what they what they discover. So, Janet, um, turning to you, we've known each other for quite a while as your organization, NICE, is a cultural alliance member. And um, I've been to your annual amazing eye-opening festivals at uh, Oyster Shell Park in, in Norwalk. Tell us a little bit about the Norwalk International Cultural Exchange and uh, how and why it got started. Thank you, David. So, um, yes, uh, we, uh, NICE, which stands for the Norwalk International Exchange, mm-hmm. was started seven years ago. And since then, from the very beginning, you know, we um, have been members of the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. NICE was started to celebrate our global heritage and to just honor the multi multiplicity of the so many different groups um literally that you know uh belongs to norwalk because norwalk is a very diverse town one of the most diverse in our in our region i believe yes and i've lived in norwalk for 24 years and you know there were some smaller um festivals cultural festivals that you used to take place in norwalk prior to um when we staged the very first event which was in 2016 and um they had sort of like you know dissipated and had fallen by the wayside Mm -hmm. so um i had approached the city to um uh, reactivate, you know, mm-hmm. and to celebrate this um, wonderful diversity that everyone speaks uh, <laughs> uh, speaks to Norwalk of, and one of the uh, main attributes why they love um, Norwalk and being in the city. So um, we started the program, and you know, one of the things that was really clear to us very early on, and at about the time when we were able to get this program start, this program going. It was in 2016, and with her acronym NICE, you know, there were so much um, divisiveness that, you know, Mm, were, that were percolating, I guess would be the right word, Mm. around 2016. And while we were thinking of doing um, smaller regional type cultures, with all that was going on, we felt that it was really important to 
try to create a dynamic that actually forged all of these different global cultures mm-hmm. together in you know at the same time and in the same place so that you know people can really get the experience to um to learn about each other and um you know become more unified if you will so um we stage our first program um we try to include as many different groups as possible and um the program has just grown and as you know it's steeped in showcasing folk mm. and traditional art forms you know that really make up the vibrancy of our community and um so that's how we all so, got started yeah so it sounds like you are a natural <laughs> for this position um and i think it's pretty obvious i'll ask you anyway why you were interested in in this position well yeah i mean you're right it, you know um when i was when i saw the uh listing for the opportunity to work with the Connecticut of the, of the arts and the Connecticut is, historical society and of course you know you who have known for a very long time and um <clears throat> You know, I thought, oh, my God, this is a perfect synergy (laughs) with the work that I do with NICE because, um, you know, I mean, when it comes to learning about other people's cultures and appreciation of their cultures, it's just exactly what I do. I mean, I literally Mm. go into communities. I go to Chinese stores. I go to African stores. I go to the Latin market. I... I um, research, research and really try to find, um, you know, my my ear, keep my ear glued to, um, you know, whether it's, um, you know, for example, you know, I went to the, the Pontian Society, which, you know, is a local Greek uh, group in Norwalk and, you know, made them know that, you know, like they were a very important part of being in this program. So, you know, I was doing, I think, what Kate um, just sort of <laughs> said, and right. that was that she needed to find somebody that was there in the field that right. really knew how to and was already connecting with these various different communities. And so that's what I've been able to bring to. Well, congratulations um, on this on, on this position. You're, as I said, well, you're, thank you're you. a natural. <laughs> If you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and our February 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our subject is Exploring Fairfield County's Traditional Arts, and our guests are Janet Evelyn, Folk and Traditional Arts Community Impact Coordinator for Coastal Fairfield County, and Executive Director of the Norwalk International Cultural Exchange, Tamara Dimitri, Program Specialist at the Connecticut Office of the Arts, and Kate Schramm, Director of the Connecticut Cultural Heritage Arts Program. So, Janet, tell us how you set about your new job. Uh, How are you going about uncovering examples of folk and traditional arts? Well, you know... um, uh doing the I love meeting people and providing an opportunity for them to tell their stories and um, help them showcase their talents and and most of all helping you know people learn about other people and um, so um, that's really you know given me a lot of um, 
lot of um, satisfaction. Mm. You know, mm. I I personally, you know, love the the warmth that I get back from the individuals and the groups that um, when I uh, go to find out about, you know their their stores or let's say for example i was just in um richport and uh happened across i saw a sign that says africana market and <laughs> i walked into this africana market and you know i mean and there you know right here in bridgeport was a store that literally no matter which part of the continent in africa you're from you will find something there hmm. that um is going to be a part of uh, something that you've known in your that you know in your tradition, whether mm-hmm. it's um, is, whether it was a food item, whether it's um, a clothing item, whether it was you know right. a jewelry item. I mean, there it, it was just or whether it was like a traditional dress that you know you would you know potentially wear you would want to wear in Ghana or um, Benin or you know one of these uh, um, West African. And I've seen you wear some of these amazing <laughs> dresses that you've discovered. In fact, discovered. I did get yes. that dress from the Africana market. <laughs> um, in fact, so, um, so so, but you know, and 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 the feeling that you know these people, you know, they 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 love the idea that you know you take the time and you know they do feel valued and appreciated. And I mean, mm. and it, it, when when that happens and. Because generally what happens is that within these groups and when they express their, you know, in their art forms, they literally express it within their own group. So they really don't get an opportunity to for other people to um, experience it, because most times, whether it's a Chinese cultural organization or Peruvian, it's done within that Peruvian community. What Mm. the NICE Festival has done and programs like the NICE Festival is allow these community to really Mm. share what they, they, their artistry, their talents, and that is so very important Mm. to them. Now, you've got a few examples um, that you can talk talk about, um, and we've got a few sound files to play um, can you tell us, uh, I think we're starting with John Lawrence. Can you tell us a little bit about John Lawrence? And then we've got a little segment of his um, music to play. Yeah, so, um, you know, um, John Lawrence, uh, Fiddler. I tell you, doing this work is like being a global explorer, right? <laughs> I mean, you, it's unbelievable. You literally get to experience and learn about cultures from around the world. And that is such a special and unique thing. I don't think that there's another place, another country like the United States. Well, maybe some um, large metro- right. metropolitan, cosmopolitan cities, London for sure, Paris for sure, so forth and so on. But right here in Fairfield County, I mean, there are so many different cultures that you, you could literally touch and feel <laughs> and, you know, and uh, and get to experience. Mm. So I think it, it's a thing that we should definitely uh, uh, it's definitely something we should celebrate. Now, in doing this work, you know, I come across, again, so many different types of people. John Lawrence is a fiddler who plays with a group called the Longmeadow Fairfield County, Longmeadow, um, the folk and bluegrass group. 
Um, John um, is a classically trained um, violinist and mm-hmm. fiddler from Yorkshire, England. Oh, terrific. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then um, um, through work with the UN had uh, lived in North Carolina for over 20 years. Huh. And um, was and and just fell in love with bluegrass. Also fell in love with moonshine. Th- that was part of his transition to start right. playing uh, bluegrass. And um, in any event, you know he loves um, he loves bluegrass, and he's literally spent his entire life now. Um, um, promoting and playing this music. He plays a unique um, fiddle that is a five-string fiddle huh. that, um, that's, that's, um, that gives it a whole different range. It gives it also a range of a viola, so, and it's very rare to How, have a five-string Where did fiddle. this come from? Was the, this a- yeah, so there is um, his fiddle. There's not that many um, five-string fiddles, but somehow he was able to find an American um, violin maker, fiddle maker, out in um, Minnesota, mm-hmm. in fact, that um, that makes this five-string uh, five-string fiddle. And um, but yeah, so I think what we have is um, is a, a piece where he talks about the fiddle, the five string fiddle, and then he gives us a little demonstration of of how the five string kind of you know brings in the range of the viola as okay. well. Okay, yeah, let's hear it. And then it's got this. you've got all the whole range of the violin and the viola, see? Wonderful. The five string. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So we'll. Uh, so he plays. Does he play in Fairfield? He plays in Fairfield. He lives in Stanford. Um, had a long career with a big job with the United Nations, in mm. fact, and um, was actually trained as a classical um, violinist. His mom mm. was a world class, world class um, violin uh, concert. Mm. Player and um, oh, well, and keep, that's how he learned. But, out, yeah. yeah, but he's transitioned to bluegrass and um, 
and folk, folk, American folk music, which is very, very dear to his heart. So uh, another example is quite different, right? Um, Orchestra Afinca, is that how you pronounce them? So um, Orchestra Afinque. Uh-huh. Um, and Orchestra Afinque is actually a local Bridgeport um Latin group, mm-hmm. Latin band. It's um, uh, a large band. They do hail from um, from Bridgeport, and um, they play. I mean, whether you're looking for salsa, merengue, cha cha cha, cumbia, <laughs> <laughs> bachata, uh, you name it. I mean, they literally do everything Latin. And you know, within the Latin community, there are so many different. Uh, segments and uh-huh. uh, communities, yeah. Colombian salsa versus mm. New York's the salsa from the Bronx and New York versus salsa from Cuba, you mm-hmm. know, so forth and so on. And so they are uh, quite knowledgeable about these different themes and the different aspects um, um, of the different of these different uh, cu- cultures within the entire Latinx culture. And so they they play to all of that. Now, um, the the members of the band, they came from they came straight out of Puerto Rico, um, lived in uh, the uh, Bridgeport housing project. And as youths, they used to come together and uh, just play on the streets, you Mm -hmm. know, and, you know, they played uh, they would have these meetup called Bembe. And so group (laughs) (laughs) Bembe and so grew their um, their um, their skills and talents in learning music. They wanted to learn how to read music. Some of them played in 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 marching bands and um, and, you know, these guys are, are professionals, you know, they're teachers and electrical engineers mm-hmm. at Sikorsky, you know, um, now. So um, in this piece that we're going to listen to, they talk about the influences that are around the um, the instruments that they play, what in- influences they come from. And they tell us a little bit about a unique uh, a unique instrument called the guido that um, that is very um, uh, unique to the sound of of salsa, including others like the maracas. Okay, let's hear that. Because being Puerto Rican, you have three cultures, yes. and it's vivid in the band. You have the European culture, mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. the indigenous culture, mm-hmm. and you have mm-hmm. the African culture. Exactly, uh, and that's what makes a Puerto Rican. A Puerto Rican culture is about those three cultures mm-hmm. meshed together. Right. And so mm-hmm. you could see it in 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 the arrangement of instruments, and we speak about that. Exactly. We speak about the, the the piano in the European culture and the and the bass. You could see the the uh, indigenous uh, through the maracas and the guido. Yep. Uh, and you also see um, what's the guido? What's the little guido? Um, guido. Uh, do you have it? Yeah, right there. See? Oh, excuse me. <laughs> we will show you uh, one no. right now. This is the maracas. Yeah. This is the yeah, this is. Right, so we have the instruments right here. Oh, we'd the love. We'd, yeah, show us all the instruments. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> you ready? Okay, here we go. This is. These are the maracas. Oh yeah, I have some of those. <laughs> it's in Cuba. Right now, yeah. these are the maracas now. Before these were just coconuts with seeds. Of course, they modernize them now. They got they're made out of skin, uh, 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 skins, and they're different. They're plastic. So, but these are the 
maracas, okay? And then this is the guido. Oh. And is that made from like a plant-based material, I see, is it? Well, this is a really, yeah, a gourd. I have a friend that had a farm in Puerto Rico and they make the guidos and then they put the little lines and this is like a pick. That's all it is, like a pick. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so you were seeing, so this gives us a taste of what you're doing, of, Janet, yes. going in there and, and he, having these uh, great uh, conversations and demonstrations. Of and and what it's they do. very exciting. It's very exciting to learn about, you know, again, about these different um these different cultures and um, these different groups. I mean, one of the things, what I've learned is that all these groups, you know, take delight in the preservation and cultivation of mm -hmm. their unique attributes. And many of these groups have worked very, very hard to preserve their cultural heritage through mm -hmm. the creation of, you know, whether it's language schools or even like these oh, guys really? that, really? you know, mm -hmm. got together, you know, on the streets in their neighborhood, you know, in the Bembe to... Um, to, to learn how to play the Congos and learn how to, you know, uh, play the Guido and <laughs> and those things. So, um, so very if important. If you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and our February 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our subject is Exploring Fairfield County's Traditional Arts, and our guests are Kate Schramm, Director of the Connecticut Cultural Heritage Arts Program, Tamara Dimitri, Program Specialist at the Connecticut Office of the Arts, and Janet Evelyn, Folk and Traditional Arts Community Impact Co Coordinator for our region of coastal Fairfield County. So what else do you have for us? Well, Janet. very exciting stuff. So um, now we go to India, Destination India. And uh -huh. um, I had the opportunity to talk with, um, his name is Satyaki, Satyaki Dutta. And um, he's one of less than a handful of Indian instrumentalists in the Northeast that plays a very unique uh, Indian instrument called the sarud. 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 S-A-R-O-D. Mm. And um, called the sarud. And I mean, it has its own history. I mean, it, it came down from, um, you know, Hindustani and Afghanistan and, and has taken um, different forms and have evolved uh, over the years. But... Um, uh, Satyaki plays again, um, plays the sarud, and the sarud is one of two instruments that um, that's unique to what what Indians uh, refer to as Indian classical music. And Indian classical music is it's, it has a, a the framework is is based on kind of how they play the notes and the combination of the notes and then it's called a raga mm -hmm. so he's going to demonstrate to us um what the the indian classical sound what the raga uh, sounds like um on on the sarud okay let's hear that so this is going to be uh, an Indian classical piece Correct. for about 90 seconds or so. Sure. So yeah. um, I'm going to play a composition in an rag called Rag Kamod. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the, the, the rag goes like this. 
this is basically how the clamor moves around. Now, the composition. specifically chose this composition it's because it's com it was composed by Buddha Dasgupta. Excellent, thank you. Well, that's great. So, um, where is uh, Satyaki based and can we hear him? Yeah, so Satyaki, um, he lives in Westchester County in, um, in Scarsdale, but he also performs in in Fairfield County, mm -hmm. he's associated with the Indian Center of Greenwich. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's one of our members, the India Cultural Culture yeah, Center. Sir, right. of Greenwich. And um, he uh, performed at the NICE Festival um, mm -hmm. last year. And, um, you know, we were just really pleased um, to have him um, at the NICE Festival. He did a set that included... Um, the Sarud and a tabla player uh, playing um, together. And um, so, yeah, so he's based there, but he, again, he plays, you know, he performs uh, uh, in Fairfield County as well. And he's also a member of the Westchester Indian Center as well that do a lot of, um, that specifically work in um, programs um, to showcase classical Indian music as opposed to, um, you know, the popular stuff that, you know, you hear about like Bollywood and Branga. And Indian classical music, they're two unique instruments. Of course, the sarood and also the sitar are right. the two um, instruments that the main instrument of Indian classical music. Terrific. And um, let's move on to your last example. Quite different again, but also music. Yes. Oh. And, you know, it's it's all music is good. And what's really interesting is um, these instruments and the different form, forms and style that they take. And um, um, my the, the next uh, demonstration that we had, I had a meeting with... Um, uh, a classical trained guitarist. Her name is Annalisa Ewald, and um, she's actually a member of the Cultural Alliance. Yes, yes. and I think she's well known um, throughout Fairfield County. Well, she has a partner that she's that she plays with. His name is Richard Spendio, and he's a professional harp musician. And um, both Richard and Annalisa have devoted themselves to reviving and playing Baroque music. And um, Annalisa, uh, you know, took on uh, learning this uh, instrument called the therabo, which is a large guitar-like instrument um, that is that has been specifically used in Baroque music. Hmm. And um, so, uh, in this piece, uh, Richard, who's also a master harp uh, musician, in this piece. They both uh, play um, together um, a typical sound 
with the harp and the thurible combined in a Baroque piece. Okay, terrific. So let's hear that. Just a single instrument? Uh, the, no, it was the harp and the thurbo together. Oh, okay. yes. <laughs> what an extraordinary sound, really. Yes. I've not heard that before. And mm-hmm. I did see a picture. I mean, I'm sorry we can't show the, 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 pictures, the photographs yeah. of these instruments. I yes. Mean, that, that was quite, quite something, I have to say. So, um, Janet, can you... I'm interested on, you know, what the, what the impact of these... Other cultures are on the culture of Fairfield County, if you like. If you, I mean, there are many, many um, cultures within um, Fairfield County. Do you do you find that they are preserving themselves um, very strictly, or do you find that there is um, influence um, both ways? I mean, are they? Do you have any? evidence so far that um, any of these cultural traditions or the performance or practice of these cultural traditions um, impact um, other cultures around us or vice versa? Or, or are they more uh, concerned with keeping the, um, the tradition um, Alive? Do you know? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. I think. I think that um, you know, and particularly with uh, these groups that are living within America, I think that you know their their sounds and their music and their art form evolves because yes. um, as they also evolve and as they also assimilate, they um, they take on different form. And uh, in my interview, I think it, it was Orquesta Afinque that um, spoke to that very well because, you know, and and they talked about how um, each summer they go into what's called the lab when they go (laughs) to, um, and they start the lab now in February because they have to prepare for their their season long, you know, their season starts early spring in terms of performances and goes all the way through um, the Christmas the uh, Christmas holidays. And they literally have to think about some the new th- trends and new forms. And so they they do incorporate that into their music, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, you know, they, they have had even in, in performances that we have had them perform, they have included um, rapping, you know, or a little, <laughs> right. uh-huh. a, a little hip hop right. in what was supposed to be traditional, you know, Cuban, um, Cuban, 
jazz, you know, uh, Latin Cuban jazz sounds. Mm. So, um, well, that's great. I mean, that points to the fact that cultures are alive. They're not fossils, if you like. Uh, Kate, mm-hmm. I wondered if you have oh, a absolutely. comment um, on that. I mean, it's really important to remember that um, tradition itself is alive, even and it's in its always changing um mm. even if those changes are very very tiny um people have um sometimes some cultural traditions the way you honor them is by trying to do it the exact same way that it's been done for the last 300 years some traditions are much more flexible and emergent and mm-hmm. the way you honor the tradition and, and where you come from is to to run with it and to have a lot of dynamism and, and change in it um and both are and both are correct and there's no you know, it's it's not the job of the folk and traditional arts program to say you're not doing your tradition <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not what we're right. interested in. Yeah. Um, and and also to to speak to what Janet was saying a little bit is that Connecticut has always been a place that has been culturally diverse, um, um, and has has had um, influxes of immigrants for. Hundreds and mm-hmm. hundreds of years, and I mean, mm-hmm. there was a diversity of native cultures here before, um, before settlers and, and colonizers came here, and um, and they're still here. Right. That's and, yeah. and they have an incredible commitment to their traditions, and so there's 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 change and flexibility, and a lot of traditions come out of hardship, and they come out of 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 really difficult times, but the commitment that people have and the sacrifices people make to maintaining the sense of identity, these things that give them a sense of identity, that um, contribute to their mental and cultural health. Um, that's really fantastic and wonderful. Um, and getting to kind of be in the room where it happens and to right. give a little support where we can. Like, that's, I, I that's mean, wonderful. I know, um, Janet, you've worked with Sharan um, and the Golden Hill Pogasset Indians and Sharan was actually on the program when we were doing a program on indigenous arts. So that was, uh, I know that, that you've talked to her extensively yeah. as well uh, in terms of. That um, was an amazing experience, David. I mm. mean, uh, Sharan Wapatuque Piper um, is the clan mother of the Golden Hill um, Pagasset uh, tribe. And um, uh, that the Golden Hill Pagasset tribe is one of. Um, in its earlier forms in Connecticut, um, before the settlers came, there were something like 14 different right. groups mm-hmm. um, of different types of Indians. I mean, that's now reduced to um, there's only two federal... Uh, um, federal so keeping the tradition yeah. traditions alive is, is mm-hmm. very important. And um, we don't really have time to go into this, but I was going to mm-hmm. say that... Um, the importance of the individual performer, the individual artist, um, the contributions each person makes, I'm sure, affects the um, the ongoing tradition or the or the, the the living nature of the of the tradition. Oh, absolutely, um, Tamara. Any uh, last words from you? We we just have a minute left. Um, um, your just your growing sense of the value of this program and uh, your thoughts for its future. Well, I do see that this is a stepping stone for us building greater relationships, partnerships, and then to expand our field work opportunities. 
That's um, very true, and I'm very hopeful that um, this will continue. We are certainly um, seeing a lot of uh, a more varied and diverse representation of the cultures that are happening in our own backyard here, and we certainly hope that it uh, that it continues. Um, so, um, the best of luck to you, Janet. You've got a few more months left. Is that is that right? Yes, yes, a few more months, and. Of course, you know it's um, it keeps me busy, <laughs> and but it's also very enjoyable. You know, like I said, it's it's literally like being a global explorer. You know, just uh, meeting and talking to all of these people and learning about their art forms, the instruments, cultures, foods, all of that. So, Kate, do you have a sense of how this might continue, or we're still in the very early stages of it? I think we're still in the early stages. Um, If any of the listening audience out there says, this is something I would like to support. (laughs) Well, please come talk to me. (laughs) And how do we find you on the internet? Um, You can find me at chs.org. Well, that's simple, right? Yep. Yep. And you're right there on the uh, Connecticut uh, Historical Society's web, web page. Yep. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you especially for driving down from Hartford today. And Tamara, thanks for joining us on on the phone today. We're very appreciative and very appreciative of of the program. So thank you, Connecticut Office of the Arts. Thank you, David. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. You have been listening to our February 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, a monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our subject was exploring Fairfield County's traditional arts, and our guests were Kate Schramm, Director of the Connecticut Cultural Heritage Arts Program, Tamara Dimitri, Program Specialist at the Connecticut Office of the Arts, and Janet Evelyn, Folk and Traditional Arts Community Impact Coordinator for Coastal Fairfield County. If you missed part of the broadcast or just want to hear it again, you can hear the show on WPKN Podcasts on SoundCloud. I'm David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. Please tune in on Monday, March 14th for the next edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture.